What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Nick Cage Fight Podcast. Where uh, I don't really have a joke for this one. We're we're all we're all ghosts we're stuck in the ghost lands. We're prisoners there, and we are not allowed out till we review this movie. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Josh, joined as always by Rich and Ryan. How are we feeling? I lost my testicle. <laughs> Welcome to the Nick Cage Fight Podcast, where we can't afford Tucker Carlson again. Oh, that was a one shot. <laughs> We we used all of our money on that one. Yeah, um, sorry, sorry, but everybody. We're here... Sorry, you fucking Tucker stands. We're here. Oh, by the, I'm sorry. Just because it's it's timely to mention this now. Uh, there's this dude who does like a, a like a prank call YouTube show called Prank Stallone. I think is the name he does it under, and mm. he definitely called Alex Jones spoofed spoofing Tucker Carlson's phone number and had a Tucker Carlson AI voice and completely fooled alex jones that's excellent i'm really excited to see the footage from that that's real cool yeah so anyway we are here today to talk about a 2021 unrated film with a runtime of an hour and 43 minutes this uh this was an interesting one i enjoyed it also if you're the kind of person that likes visuals in your movies more so than coherent linear storytelling, then this movie sense. is up your alley. There's a lot of very, very pretty and well done shots, in my opinion. So with that as an intro, why don't we jump right into housekeeping? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So first up, we have the director, Sion uh, Sono or Sion Sono. I'm not quite I, sure I, if I'm pronouncing I that think, right. Yeah, Sion Sono. I was about to say, I think I think Ryan's going to have to do the heavy lifting on this one because I do not know a lot of Japanese movies, and it seems like that is exclusively what Ryan watches. I mean, yeah, I watch a lot of <laughs> Japanese trash, a lot of Japanese 70s exploitation films. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, CV-wise, uh, Sion has done Love Exposure, Why Don't You Play in Hell?, Suicide Club and Tokyo Vampire Hotel. Oh, wait, I have seen Tokyo Vampire Hotel. (laughs) I got a shout out tag from 2015. That movie rules. But also, I did find out when doing a little digging on this movie, this man might be a sex crime. Oh, yeah, it's a bummer. uh, You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Well, what are you going to do? What am I supposed to do? Not commit sex crimes? That's really hard. We're still giving Polanski fucking awards and shit. So, yeah. Are we really? 
Yeah, I don't got, think anymore, but Kansas? he definitely got them after all of that shit came out for yeah. sure, for sure. Uh-huh. Like they're still ma- they're still letting him make movies, and that's a bit too much. Yeah. Very so, on to the uh, the writers for this one. This it was interesting because, uh, well, one of the two writers, uh, starting off with them first, Aaron Hendry. Uh, this is the only thing he's ever written. He's primarily an actor uh, with roles in Beer Fest, The Inhumans, Teen Wolf, not the Michael J. Fox one, uh, and School of Rock. So make of that what you will. And then next up, we have uh, Reza Sixo Safai. Again, probably not pronouncing that correctly, but they only ever wrote for three things. This film, The Persian Connection, and Sabotage. I have no familiarity with either of those other two offerings. It's also got some acting credits. He was in a good uh, vampire movie called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night that I like quite a bit. Huh. So, yeah, so a movie that seems to be have been written primarily by actors, but, you know. You know what? It, now, in, like, thinking back on the movie, that makes sense because the actors, I feel like, are given a lot of room to kind of chew the scenery. Yeah, there is a lot of scenery chewing. I'm surprised there was any scenery left at all. <laughs> yeah, so, it was. Just, it's just a mound of tobacco left after like a game of baseball. Like that's how chewed it was. Yeah, <laughs> very fair. Uh, moving on to the cast, we have as always topping the list: Nick Cage as Hero. Uh, next up, we have uh, Sophia Botella as Bernice. Uh, she was in Kingsman, Secret Service, Star Trek Beyond, the 2017 Mummy film, uh, and Atomic Blonde. I heard Atomic Blonde's pretty good. I got to get around to that one. I, I've heard the same thing and have not seen it myself yet. Have not seen it, so in say. In, in Kingsman, if I'm remembering correctly, she was Samuel L. Jackson's like, hit woman lady who had like the uh, Oscar Pistorius legs that were also swords or something. Oh, if, okay. if I'm remembering correctly. Next up, we have um, Nick uh, Cassavetes or Cassavetes uh, as Psycho. This uh, person is pretty interesting. They have a uh, a role in uh, one of the Holy Trinity uh, Nick Cage films, Face Off. He's also in The Astronaut's Wife. Uh, and my favorite little anecdote about this individual is they directed the movie Alpha Dog. That's right. One of Justin Justin Timberlake's uh, most fantastic film roles, also uh, starring the late great Anton Yelchin. Rest in peace to a real one there. And I think we've spoken on that film before on the pod. I'm almost positive it's one of one of my more favorite films, so I'm I'm fairly certain I've mentioned it before. Next up, we have Bill Mosley as uh, the governor. Uh, Bill Mosley was in Repo, the Genetic Opera. Um, but probably most recognizable as Otis from uh, the Rob Zombie films, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, the other ones whose names are escaping me right now, but a pretty mainstay uh, character from those films. For me, he's uh, most recognizable as Chop Top in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, the one where Dennis Hopper double, dual wields chainsaws. It's, it's real good. Been- it's been a minute since I've seen uh, Texas Chainsaw 2, but I do distinctly remember his character. Yeah. Mainly because he seemed like the framework for the shit that he did for Rob Zombie later on. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's been in a bunch of uh, like earlier horror flicks, yeah. too. I, he's like an, one of the extras in Army of Darkness. He's um, 
It was in Freddy's Nightmares, the uh, TV series, for like one episode. Oh, so he's like one of those guys that like, like I I feel like the same six guys played every slasher in all the '80s slasher movies. Sort of. He he's usually more like a uh, like a side character. Okay. Yeah. I would, oh, he was also in Silent Night, Deadly Night Three, one of my favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> it took you to the third one for it to hit the favorites list. I mean, the second one has that glorious moment where the dude just says "garbage day," pulls out a revolver, and shoots some dude taking his trash out. <laughs> so <laughs> they're all pretty good. Fair enough. Uh, next up, we have uh, uh, Tak Sakaguchi as Yasujiro, and this individual was in Versus, which I know Ryan watched recently. It's uh, awesome. <laughs> uh, Shinobi Heart Under Blade, Sakagaki. Oto Kojuku. I don't even know why I included that one in the list. All right. I'll put myself through that. I'll, I'll shout out the ones I like him from. He's in Godzilla Final Wars. He's in uh, a couple episodes of some Common Rider uh, series. He's in a movie called Tokyo Gore Police that is as insane as it sounds. Tokyo. It sounds awesome. He's in uh, Mutant Girl Squad, which is also as insane as it sounds. But mostly he's actually known as a fight choreographer. Interesting. I, I loved his fucking sword fight scenes in this movie so yeah no he's not great. surprised next up we have uh charles glover as enoch uh charles glover was in shin godzilla did a voice in detective conan and then a fair amount of of his uh, repertoire of work appears to be video game voice work just 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 going back uh to um to attack uh, over here he's in a movie called battlefield baseball that i think i need to see yeah that sounds awesome uh Japanese like sorry I went down a rabbit hole like yeah sports movies that are not like serious dramas in Japan can get insane so I'm gonna have to watch that one too I'm sorry Josh don't they have a bunch of sports like animes now I've never oh they have a shit ton yeah they all rule (laughs) yeah so I'm not I'm not surprised by that and that movie does sound like it would be ridiculous we might have to check it out next on our list we have uh Shin uh Shimizu as Deputy Shin, who was in Westworld, the HBO show, a film called Lion Girl, The Forest, uh, A Killer of Men. Not overly familiar with those personally, uh, but some of them sound pretty cool. Yeah, this guy didn't really ring any bells for me, and I did check his IMDb. I didn't notice anything that was really outstanding from him. Next up, we have uh, Takato uh, Yonamoto as Sheriff Takato, uh, who was in 47 Ronin which is a, a relatively recent Keanu Reeves supernatural samurai film, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, a movie called The First Gentleman, the show The Good Place. And uh, for our video game fans out there, the recently released uh, Monster Hunter style game Wild Hearts. Uh, this guy does the main character voice. Nice. And then last up, I have Canon Nawata as Nancy who has been in While the Women Are Sleeping, Lying to Mom, Mrs. Noisy, and Red Post on Escher Street. I don't know what any of those are, but she looked familiar. Let me do a quick little dive and see if, nope, she has not been anything I've seen other than this. Also, just uh, by the way, just to point out, because I originally thought that that this, before I do housekeeping typically prior to uh, my first watch, 
but I thought this was the actress who played Susie. This is not Susie. This is one of Bernice's friends. Mm-hmm. Susie is played by uh, Yuzuka Nakaya, and I am really unfamiliar with all of her other stuff, but she only has uh, six acting credits. I did think she looked familiar, though, so mm-hmm. just got one of those kinds of faces, I guess. And that is all I have for housekeeping, but I'm I'm going to pause for Ryan here because <laughs> I'm assuming you have a couple of people that I might have missed. I, I've got one that you missed. Uh, Tetsu Watanabe, he plays Nabe. Uh, he was in a bunch of movies I really like. He's in uh, Minbo, a uh, Jozu Utami film about a woman who tricks the mafia or tricks the Yakuza into stopping harassing this like resort, basically. Like they, they're, they're trying to like con rich people in it and she pulls some uh some very clever shit that gets them to stop uh she was also or he was also in um dreams the akira kurosawa film which is phenomenal uh the takashi katano film sonatine and there was one other one that i'm trying to find that rules oh uh takashi mike's ley lines a uh, crime film gotcha and just because i love this character in the film I'm I'm gonna retroactively throw him on there. Um, young Dias, who plays Ratman in this film, a small CV, but he was in uh, The Outsider, Tokyo Tribe, and The Forest of Love Deep Cut, which was a TV miniseries that a couple of other uh, actors and actresses on this list were in as well. So, oh, it also looks like he did a voice in Devilman Crybaby, which I, is the most <laughs> heartbreaking fucking anime I've ever seen in my life. I just saw that too. That's funny. Sorry, and... I may just have to hold my microphone because everything just fell down around me. Oh, no. I, saw, I saw it fall. We extended housekeeping specifically to give you some time. <laughs> it's <laughs> just get... being held at this point. I don't know what to do. Hey, Fuck hey me. Rich, you know what might help you with your microphone situation? Oh, what's uh, that? Goods and services. I hear you can exchange money for things like boom arms that hold your microphones and stuff. Maybe in this batch of ads, there will be one for you. So you'll oh, just have to listen sick. back after we post this episode to see. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen right now. All right. I just ordered that boom mic from um, BYU.com. <laughs> oh, yeah? They're selling uh, tech now? Yeah. I mean, what else are they going to do? I mean, wear special underwear. Yeah, the, the underwear makes it so that your boom mic doesn't fall. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes it special. All right. Now we got to get into the plot. Uh, I'm going to do my best. I wrote a lot of words for this, so I'm going to rely on my co-host to keep me moving as far as how, how the movie progresses because there's a lot stuff that we got to capture in description that isn't really necessarily advancing the plot. So let's just jump right in. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, the movie actually starts very strong 
the opening scene is a child standing in front of a gumball machine and it's a stark white background. So you have this like rainbow of colors kid who I think is wearing like a bright red sweater as well. A lot of color in the foreground and just pure white in the background. And uh, Nick Cage uh, as hero uh, bursts into the bank with uh, his fellow robber psycho with guns and they they stick up the bank. Uh, the gumball kid offers one of the bank robbers a gumball and time slows down at this point. And then we cut uh, away from the bank scene to a street with the architecture in this film is really wild. The street is like a mix of uh, Japanese style buildings and like old Western style buildings and signs with some neon and paper lamps and it's a it's a real mishmash. Yeah, uh, but real- I, I felt I thought it was like a really cool visual though. It really sets the scene as to like what to expect with this movie. It is awesome and it does it 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 looks really cool and it does play into a lot. We're gonna see a lot of juxtaposition with some of this stuff, right? So along like uh like railings and balconies of this building, there's a, a bunch of women dressed in kimonos, and there is a uh, lone swordsman who is sort of watching the street before going inside. When he does, uh, a woman whistles. I believe this is Susie whistles and uh, three other women round the corner onto the street and proceed to sneak out of uh, the town while all of the other women that are on like the balconies or perched in windows are sort of like whispering encouragement of their escape or leaving this town. They get into a car and Uh, we learn that the leader of this group of women is named Bernice. And one of the women asks Bernice if this is what it feels like to be free. They start the car and then we get uh, some interesting intercut scenes, right? Uh, Bernice wakes up sweaty on like a dirty cot, missing most of the the nice clothes that she left in. Uh, This is intercut with scenes of the car driving, literally almost cartoonishly spinning around a, um, mile marker or or street sign of some sort ominous figures like in old samurai armor some of them uh silhouetted in a uh, large truck's headlights with a horribly scarred man behind the wheel bernice wanders outside to see a, a like a village i guess would be the appropriate thing to call it that uh, the center focal point is like a bunch of uh like wooden scaffolding and a giant clock that the arms don't appear to be moving on. Bernice screams, I am not a prisoner. And then we get the title card. Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Not a prisoner. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually incredibly accurate, sort of. But we'll get to that. <laughs> so we we cut to a bizarre scene back in the town that Bernice fled. I also, in my notes, I, I fucked up in describing this i keep calling it the governor's town but it's called samurai town it is also a cool town yes it is very dope so i'm going to try and keep that in mind as i go through this but this is one of the visuals that i want to take a second to describe so you understand what kind of fucking movie you're dealing with here there is this big like facade like wall with uh like red drapery right oh we're talking about this fucked up scene okay and, and holes cut in it And there are women with their faces poked through the holes and they're singing. And at the top of this red draped arch, there is like a 
fake giant woman's face. I, I don't even know because of the, like we see this in two different scenes and it seems gigantic and I don't know where it actually is sitting in this town. Uh, but the ladies with their faces poking through are singing a song or something like that. But here for, for the listening audience, it's like the words are in the night of dawn, who is behind you now? It's very weird, very weird stuff. Yeah, it's it's an odd scene. So we 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 get a glimpse of this giant woman head wall. I'm not sure what to refer to it as, but there's also children playing soccer in the streets. And then we get a cut between this. We see the the back of a man with his hands chained behind him, obviously a prisoner of some sort. Not of the ghost land yet. No, no, not of the ghost land. Samurai town prisoner. Western music starts playing. Uh, I say this specifically because the uh, subtitles uh, helpfully point out that it is Western music that is playing. It's well, got the we... whistles. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> how do I know whether if it's country or Western? Well, country is when you want to fuck your uh, truck. Western is when you want to fuck your horse. Gotcha. I was making more of a uh, blues. Also, Brothers a lot more joke. whistles in Western music than country music. Yeah. I'm not uh, saying there's no what, whistles in country music. There's Western just usually, more in Western usually music. Usually has that mouth harp that sounds like somebody's uh, playing with a spring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of music do you guys play here? We got both, both kinds, kinds, country and Western. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the, the, the chained man is, is, is Nick Cage, uh, hero, and uh, the governor is making an appearance, uh, apparently, he is driving down the street and there's like a bunch of people following the car and clapping and sort of singing some sort of song about the governor. There is a bunch of guys in this town dressed like cowboys. They appear to be functioning as like the local constabulary. But like I said, you can pick them out because they're all dressed like cowboys. Yeah, it's like this town has two aesthetics. It's uh, cowboys and geisha house. There's no in between. Yeah, yeah. There's there's either uh, cowboy dudes with guns or dudes in uh, like the full samurai robes and swords. Yeah. So um, the the cowboy guys collect Nick Cage from his cell as the car rolls down the street. Uh, and Cage is walked out wearing only a, I think of it as like a sumo wrestler loincloth. That's what it looks like to me. I'm sure it was also some type of regular undergarment, but that's the style. Yeah, there's a term for it that I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, so before we go any further, I do want to play one more part of as he is walking out in the um, sumo white thing that I think our audience will enjoy. It's called so, a fundoshi. Oh, thank you. Uh, so here's that. Let me see your balls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. As he yep. walked out, everybody laughs and points. Uh, and points camera phones at him too, which was kind of a, a, a little bit surreal. Yeah, and and somebody calls out, "Let me see your balls," uh, which I feel is appropriate. It's uh, wonderful. Yeah, uh, very very much appropriate because there is a payoff. There is a payoff. <laughs> so, um, the the governor uh, examines Nick Cage. Oh, by the way, like there's a bunch of swordsmen and cowboys on the street, and everybody is pointing a weapon at Nick Cage, basically. 
Well, they do something I love, which is they're all pointing the weapons at Nick Cage, but the governor keeps walking in front of them, and the guns go up as soon as he does that, and then they come back down as soon as he passes. <laughs> I actually missed that. That's funny. That's called discipline, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so he actually, uh, the governor details the results of that bank robbery we saw at the beginning. The gumball kid, we can assume, and a lot of other people uh, died uh, in the uh, in the commission of that robbery. Yasujiro, uh, the governor's primary bodyguard and swordsman, is instructed to get out, quote unquote, the suit. And uh, the, the governor essentially details that his granddaughter, Bernice, uh, took off and uh, he wants her back. So he's going to coerce uh, Nick Cage into retrieving her. Uh, the governor hands Cage uh, the suit. And we do eventually find out that granddaughter is a terrible euphemism for what's actually going yeah, on. Yeah, I, I I was yeah. gonna say just so our uh, listeners understand what is happening. The the governor is a um is a white man with a Yosemite Sam accent. Um, <laughs> I, and... I got a uh, Colonel Sanders personally out of this man. Okay. Is that just because of the pure white suit? Yes. Yes. Okay. I was or or possibly a foghorn leghorn. Like, I feel like he should be saying, I say, I say every I say. other word. <laughs> However, so that is the governor and his granddaughters are all Asian women who are dressed exactly alike and who look like it cannot be any, any younger than 18 and any older than 24. So yeah, take so that as you will. Just to be just just to be clear, the the governor refers to at least directly as his granddaughters, Bernice and Susie, who we're about to meet in our narrative retelling. But he does also seem to be generally in charge of this town, which the predominant structure seems to be some type of cat house. That's as as best as I can describe it. They they it is not overly detailed what occurs there, but it's pretty apparent. Right. So as, you know, Cage is handed the suit, the young woman in the back of the governor's car freaks out and starts, you know, wailing about uh, Bernice. This is Susie. And she has um, a toy robot. She does have a toy robot. Da, 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 da. That happens a lot in the film. <laughs> yes. But uh, Cage goes to, to change into the suit and drops the loincloth. In fact, I think he throws it at one of the women. Uh, there is a young woman sketching him uh, pretty handily, and she has it mostly complete. But when he throws the loincloth, she quickly starts to erase the loincloth part <laughs> of the drawing, uh, which is hilarious. One of the women, I think, says, I've seen better. <laughs> What one of the women does, but most of the women are like in shock and all. So I feel like that's Nick Cage being like, I think my character has a big dick, but not like crazy big, just like bigger than 95% of the guys. <laughs> so the suit, let's let's talk about the suit real quick. It is all black leather and it's got these like little orbs at several points. And yeah, I'll, I'll get to what those orbs are when the governor explains them. It's a sick looking suit. <clears throat> it is a cool looking suit. It's a cool fucking looking suit. But while we're busy wondering about the suit at this point in the film, uh, Susie starts singing a song. And the song is basically about a large clock that her grandfather had, or the song is about a grandfather with a large clock. And the townsfolk start singing along. 
and it like catches and grows until everybody is singing. And I think by the second or third verse, even the governor is singing. There's some coordinated clapping and everything, too. It's very bizarre, but the song is catchy. So if you watch the movie, good luck keeping that from getting stuck in your head. Yeah, I, I, I think it again, that actually does a very good job of um establishing uh what's his name? The grandfather. Why am I blanking on his name? The governor. Governor, governor thank you. As kind of like a cult of personality. Which again, I, I kind of I kind of enjoyed that. That like little I, wrinkle. I, I agree to an extent. Um, we'll get to the 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 story beats there. I think it's probably more indicative of the weird ritual elements of the the people that inhabit this world. Like a lot of things are accompanied with music and clapping and rhythm and stuff in general. Uh, this sort of seemed like I, I, it's just a rule. If somebody starts singing the song, everybody sings the song until you finish the song. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it's 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 odd. So Cage is now suited up and uh, the governor starts talking about how outside of Samurai Town, there's a dangerous uh, highway and people go missing and everybody thinks it's ghosts. He's not so sure. Maybe it's just sodomites, uh, according to him, was his words. So he's he's pretty sure they're just bandits and that they've probably taken Bernice. <laughs> so uh, uh, the governor shows uh, Cage a picture of Bernice and he comments something like, oh, I can see why you want her back. Some of the swordsmen in town get offended by his, uh, I guess, compliment of Bernice. And uh, so uh, Cage fights some of them, like fist fights a couple of them. Uh, the townsfolk start clapping rhythmically. And then Yosujiro steps in and fucking handles the swordsman, just like cuts like five or six of them down and uh, uh, puts that little uprising to rest. There's a great so scene. Cool. There's a great scene here where Cage is mostly suited up. And like, like I said, he's he's just attacked some people who threatened him. And so the people, uh, you know, holding guns on him are trying to get things back under control. And he punks him out a couple times like. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free and anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Jumps at him, makes him flinch. It's pretty funny. And then uh, uh, Cage finishes zipping up the suit, which activates uh, the things attached to it. Those things are bombs. Uh, the governor gives us a brief explanation of how they work. There is a bomb on each arm. Uh, just below the elbow, there are there's a bomb for each, as the governor puts it, testicle. And then there are two bombs uh, right at the neck of the collar. And so apparently uh, the suits bombs are uh, attached to some pretty sophisticated 
scanning technology that can tell if the wearer is going to quote strike a helpless woman it's a psychic suit yeah kind of psychic suit now also the thing about the testicles bit like they don't enunciate or enumerate this as clearly as the rules about the arm bombs but it's basically like if you get if you get aroused your testicles are going bye-bye <laughs> but also the bomb suit will go off after three days unless bernice speaks her name into the microphone on the suit at which point two additional days uh, will be awarded to the countdown uh, and the suit can't be removed unless it's unlocked and the governor keeps the key to the suit around his neck so Pretty straightforward hero's journey laid out here. Literal hero's journey. Pretty um, straightforward escape from New York is what it is. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so far nothing too weird has happened other than show me your balls. The The presentation has been strange, but the overall story trope as laid out is familiar. Okay, right? I didn't find it too strange. It was kind of one of those things where like, ever play like Game Dev Tycoon? are you you familiar okay like you can make a new game and you're just like oh i wonder how these two things mash together so they took western and japanese horror and mashed it together i thought it was interesting never thought anything was too weird again outside of show me your balls uh until we get to this next bonkers fucking scene it's probably the best well it's one of the best scenes in the film as far as just for comedic effect um, so the governor gives Cage keys to a car. To a Toyota Camry. A Toyota Camry. A very reliable vehicle. It is very reliable. <clears throat> uh, Cage gets into, I, I had a, I had a Camry that I put almost a full quarter of a million miles on. By God the way. damn. Yeah. Nice. Um, so Cage gets into the car, whips it around a bit, of course, scaring the locals and uh, civilians on the street. And then breaks suddenly, gets out of the vehicle, runs over to a bicycle with a basket attached to the handles, gets on it, and rides off. It is hilarious. So cool. Hilarious scene. And the the cowboy is standing on either side of the governor. (laughs) One guy goes, what a badass. And the other guy says, he is so cool. (laughs) It is, though. So just so everyone is aware, I was the last person to watch this movie. So I got to see Josh and Ryan talking about it in real time. Uh, and then I go to watch it. I'm just like in our group chat. I'm like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. This movie seems absolutely fine. I'm actually enjoying it. And we got to that scene. I'm just like, oh, never mind. We are officially off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> the bike bit doesn't last for too, too long. Yosujiro drives the car out to where Cage has gotten on his bicycle. Uh, and Cage relents getting in the car to continue his search for Bernice. So we, and I assume that Yasujiro rides the bike back, right? That's the I only thing so. we can assume. It doesn't show it, but like that's got to have been what happened. Which I don't want to uh, think about how carefully you'd have to ride a bike in those robes that he's wearing, because that shit's going to get caught in that chain. Yeah. Uh, and he's I, got swords. And he's got, yeah, well, and, and he's got a sword basket. on his hip, but... Like, uh, I, I, I came of age during um, the period in time where Jinko jeans were incredibly popular when your primary mode of transportation was still a bicycle. And let me tell you. Oh, uh, I've I seen people hurt. beef it up like that. I got hurt <laughs> several times uh, with that wardrobe slash transportation method combination. Not easy. <laughs> well, yeah, because if you couldn't fit two additional feet into your pant legs, uh, your pants were tight and you were gay. Yeah, 
Yeah. I guess I was really gay then. That that was that was the law. Do you know what else is gay? Ads for Jenko jeans. <laughs> that, God, imagine, still a company? Are they still making jeans? Imagine if Jenko sure. like fuck it, like you know, we cut the ads, it's like Jenko jeans, the straightest pants you'll ever buy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like insane clown posse and monster energy drinks? No, that monster is too ubiquitous now. It's not, you can't even use that anymore. I remember when there was like a religious backlash at Monster Energy because people were like, This is cynical of the beast. That's still that was just happening. that one lady that went that went viral, and I'm pretty sure she had a legitimate case of medical brain worms. I had an aunt that definitely agreed with that lady. Ooh. Also, if I'm remembering that whole event correctly, that lady was a terrible anti-Semite. There was a whole lot of tying it to Hebrew something or yes. the other shit. If yeah, I, was like, yeah, I do the, recall that. The M, because it's like not connected, it makes a like Hebrew, it makes two Hebrew letters if you put them together, like it loosely translates to Satan. Like that's how it it got there. Yeah, that's not good. Don't do that shit, people. <laughs> but also, speaking of weird shit that we've talked about in the past, I went to go buy cigarettes the other day, and uh, I saw that weird THC honey. Oh. Well, I thought it was not the THC honey. It was the uh, the honey that has the active ingredient from Viagra. That is dick honey. The... Oh, damn it's it. Di- okay, it's wrong, uh, wrong gas station honey. dick honey. I mean, I'd, I'd be down for some THC honey. I bet that goes real good in some herbal tea. I'll check it out. I'll, I'll get some and drop it off for you. All right. <laughs> Alright, now 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 this is going is off the rails. It's the bike scene. Here's some ads. How about that dick, honey? I was about to say I have no joke coming out of this. So I'm just... Yeah, and, and I don't know what her ads are like these days. Uh some of our, our devoted listeners will occasionally <laughs> occasionally inform me. They're like, by the way, this was advertised in your podcast the other day, and I was like yeah, we don't we don't get to pick those. We just try and fuck up the algorithm by dropping keywords. So, <laughs> oh, here's hoping we get that sponsorship from Jenko. Yeah, I I feel like they need it. I don't see the teenagers walking around in Jenko jeans anymore. No, it's it's had its heyday. Yeah. So, um, uh, almost immediately after Cage gets in the car and starts traveling, uh, we see the men in samurai armor again in front of the headlights of the huge truck with the badly scarred man in the driver's driver's seat it looks like cage like rams the car at them but when we next see him he's crashed his car into the remnants of a building not this mysterious band of bandits we also at this point get the first in a sequence of a weird a weird dream sequence where cage is walking through town in normal clothes but everyone is wearing masks and he's following the kid that was the gumball kid that was killed in the bank robbery. We get more context from this scene uh, later on in the film because it keeps sort of lengthening how this is going. Uh, and some of it is the past and some of it is uh, some supernatural stuff. But we'll get there when we get there. At this point, we cut to Cage being brought on a uh, like a hand-drawn cart of some sort into a different town. Uh, real Mad Max wardrobes from these guys. They're some of my favorite guys uh, in the film. I like when a film has has a weird group of guys, like some yeah, it's, real it's got some premium freaks. dudes. They're absolute freaks. Yeah. Ratman's a freak. Ratman is a freak, and Rat Gang is also awesome. They all dress super cool. 
uh, clear uh, Mad Max inspiration because it's like yeah, it's all like weird warriors. tricked out it's bicycle great. helmets and like uh, holiday decoration. One yes. guy is wearing blinking <laughs> Christmas lights. I swear to God. <clears throat> so pretty cool. But this is also the this this whole scene is one of the more surreal scenes in the film. There's also a woman being pulled on a cart next to, to Cage, and she is uh, one of the women that left Samurai Town with Bernice in the beginning. She's the one who had blue hair. There is a bunch of mannequins in this town. So if you're creeped out by mannequins. I am. Like I am and Ryan yes. is. <laughs> This is going to be a kind of disturbing scene. There's not only a, a bunch of mannequins, there are a bunch of people wearing mannequin parts and s- disguises, uh, I guess, which is which is kind of odd. Past uh, one of these uh, houses that's missing a door, there are several people in like a, a like a busted up living room, most of them wearing mannequin disguises. And on the wall, there is a poster of a nuclear explosion, which is going to be a running theme here. So as they get towards the center of the town, there is a bunch of people in like just covered in shredded white cloth. It almost looked like a whole group of people got uh, horribly toilet papered uh, on mischief night. And they're sort of uh, running and moving through the town. And then they all sort of uh, split at the same time to run to the sides, leaving strings of white cloth draped between them while in the background we see the group approaching with the two hand-drawn carts uh, with the two people on it. We might actually have to explain what Mischief Night is because uh, that's like a tri-state area thing. Yeah, that's actually a uniquely South Jersey thing. I think really? in Michigan too, it's called Devil's Night. Yeah, there it's it has a different name in a couple other states, but like there are maybe five states that actually have Mischief Night-esque uh, things going on the day before Halloween. Oh, well, to be fair, I wouldn't want to fucking try any of that in fucking Florida. No. Get shot to death. But OK, so a uh, uh, quick, quick primer on Mischief Night. The night before Halloween, uh, it is tradition for, again, in some specific locales uh, for teenagers to get together and do some petty vandalism, uh, throwing rolls of toilet paper over people's houses or whipping eggs at front doors Toothpaste on the car door. Toothpaste on the car door, lighting a paper bag of poop on a porch and then ringing the doorbell. Potato uh, in the tailpipe. Letting it on fire. Yeah, yeah. Just like I said, petty vandalism uh, just to, to, to cause a little bit of a ruckus. Right, And it is generally, um, it's that age when you're too old to trick or treat, mm-hmm. but still, but not quite old enough to like, stay home and watch horror movies on Christmas night. Not Christmas night, on Halloween night. I mean, I definitely stay home and watch horror movies on Christmas night. That is well, a tradition for me. <laughs> I mean, listen, at this point, there's a lot of good Santa horror movies. Yeah, but, well, there definitely are. And there's a lot of bad ones, too. I'm going to watch Santa Slay later, because I love <laughs> Bill Goldberg. My, uh, my Christmas watch list is primarily horror films, but I do... Every year I watch the uh, the Always Sunny Christmas special. Every year. It's the only one. It's the only Christmas themed thing I never miss. <laughs> um, I, I always watch Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, that's fair. Which is something we did. Yeah. So now <laughs> we've covered some holiday shit. Uh, amidst the uh, people shrouded in white and the weird mannequin uh, statues, there's uh, an individual 
um, tall man dressed in all black with a top hat that's sort of lurking uh, amongst the crowd. Um, and now we also see the big clock in the center of town. Uh, so this is at least, you know, Hero has arrived where Bernice uh, at least was at some point, right? Now we get some more context to the clock and why the hands don't appear to be moving. There is a rope attached to the second hand, uh, and there are there's a, a whole string of men that are holding this rope and pulling it uh, to keep the second hand from moving. Uh, and while they're doing this, another man is shouting at them that they need to keep it from moving or another bomb will explode, which is weird. Uh, a woman dressed in all white, but not quite the shredded white clothing of some of the other folks comes forward and touches uh, the wound on Nick Cage's head, uh, saying he has thick red blood and it's part of the prophecy um, and that time will move again. Uh, the townsfolk rush at Cage as he gets up saying this is another one of my favorite scenes in the movie. He says, I will karate chop you. Um, <laughs> I forgot. About that's that. when we get. Yeah, he's like, I will karate chop you. And it, it gets better because uh, then we meet uh, Enoch, who explains that this place is called the Ghostland, and Nick Cage is still warding off villagers by saying, hi, fucking yeah, hi, fucking yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is just perfect. <clears throat> um, so I do I uh, take a brief moment to talk about this. So Nick Cage's character throughout most of this film, a vast majority of it, is like a normal, regular person reacting to an absurd scenario filled with strange people with strange customs. Uh, because he immediately goes off here and says, everybody in this town is fucking nuts, which is correct. An honest assessment. Yeah. Right. Uh, but he's like that in Samurai Town, too, where it's just like everybody seems a little crazy. And Nick Cage seems like he's from our earth our time and just reacting to the weird shit he's seeing so that's pretty funny enoch uh explains that he's the leader of this tribe um and cage starts asking people about bernice uh start showing her picture around blue hair girl pipes up um and says that they were running away from home multiple people in uh in in the ghostlands say that they have seen her and that she's up in the mannequins uh, and that Cage has to go find her himself. So Cage starts walking through the mannequins. Again, some of them regular mannequins. Uh, some of them people wearing mannequin disguises, uh, for lack of a better description. And the whole time, uh, Top Hat Man is very perturbed by uh, Hero's manipulation of the mannequins or the people dressed as mannequins. Cage finally uh, comes up to the Bernice mannequin, and um, the top hat guy gives us some more explanation about the whole mannequin thing, saying that uh, the mannequin people are hiding from ghosts and he's helping them hide with these disguises by hiding them from the light. Keeps the ghosts out. Keeps the ghosts out. Dresses as a mannequin. No more ghost problems. Yeah, I've never seen anybody try that in a ghost movie on in a ghost based horror movie. But, you know, keep it in mind, I guess, if you're ever haunted. Ghosts hate mannequins. <laughs> ghosts are afraid of mannequins. It's the one thing that scares ghosts. I don't. Yeah. I don't blame them. <laughs> me neither. They're spooky. Also, now that just made me think of a fucking maniac, the the other horror movie with the best use of mannequins. Is that the one where with the totally killer headbuster scene where Tom Savini's 
head just like the shotgun blast. Oh, I, I can't. It's been forever since I've seen the original, and they did a remake with oh Elijah yes yes yes. Wood, it, it, this is the one I'm thinking of, okay. where the dude's like uh, just a, a serial killer who's going around yep. killing like happy couples, scalping people and putting yeah. their hair on mannequins. Yeah, yeah. Huh. It's a it's a classic. It is a classic for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> and it does have one of the best brain buster scenes of all time because that's <laughs> definitely the movie I'm thinking of. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so with uh, Bernice retrieved, Enoch indicates that she can't talk, and that that's what the prison has taken from her. He goes on to say the prison has taken things from all of them, even collectively their voice. Uh, but it's taken the most from the children. Essentially, their will to live, I believe, is what he says. But the. It, we get a heavy, heavily laden with metaphor speech from Enoch about the prison that they are all in. Cage yells at Bernice because she's not being responsive at all and says he's taking her home. Uh, but of course, his bombs start beeping, so he has to calm down pretty quickly. He shows her uh, the picture he has of her and her friends, and then he goes to take her uh, away from the Ghostlands. Uh, some of the townsfolk are saying, uh, you know, not to take her. Uh, others are asking him to take them with uh, with him as well. Uh, and an old man warns that the demon kills anyone trying to escape. So as they leave, Top Hat Man starts placing mannequin parts on the blue hair girl who is left behind. Cage stops briefly to talk to Rat Man, one of the, the coolest dudes in the Ghostlands who has like a number of like absurdly decked out like trucks. There's a term for that in Japanese. It's dekotora. Huh. Which means a huh. portmanteau of decorative truck. <laughs> They're really cool. Like they got lights and my favorite one is on the on the 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 grill of one of them. There's just like a little backlit sign that says crazy <laughs> yes yes it, it was like part of a it's like hot rod culture in japan but for truckers they just trick out their trucks that's cool it is i encourage cool. weird niche subcultures like that let's do more of that around here so Ratman lends cage some fuel uh for his car and he brings bernice out to his crash car the suit suit starts prompting cage for bernice to speak her name into the microphone uh, Bernice is still not talking. Cage gets upset with her and the bomb starts beeping again. So he gives up saying he can get her home before his initial three days are up and the bomb goes off anyway. So he proceeds to strip the mannequin disguise off of Bernice. After this is done, he goes. <laughs> this is this is the scene we're going to close the episode on because uh, I think it's uh, I think it's the perfect uh, cliffhanger. Uh, but Cage goes to give Bernice water, but she refuses to swallow like her head's tilted back and the water spills out of her, her mouth. Uh, this, unfortunately, for Hero, I guess, excites him a little bit too much. And one of the testicle bombs goes off, uh, blowing off one of his nuts. I mean, like, literally, he holds it up and we can see the uh, uh, the testicle <laughs> testicle testicle. testicle. Uh, and this uh, causes him to uh, pass out, understandably. And then we get a lot of weird dream sequences that we, we will go through in the next episode, I think. What do you guys think? Yeah, that sounds good. 
that's a good place to start. It just fucked the people right up in the beginning. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The the, <laughs> the testicle bomb, man. That was uh that was a moment. Yeah, I wasn't um, expecting that to happen that early in the movie. <clears throat> it was uh yeah, it, it really put a period on that that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and uh before I forget, because this is kind of important as well. So when uh Cage is pulling off the mannequin pieces uh from Bernice. This scene is important for two reasons. One, uh, when he pulls off uh, part of the mannequin piece on uh, one of Bernice's thighs, he sees a scar, like a, a circular scar on her leg. And he goes, oh, that's a pretty good scar. Did you get that uh, rollerblading? Woo! And so we got our we got a we got a Nick Cage woo in there, which is God, one, of, woo. It's one of his go to's, dude. And every time he does it, I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cage and Ric Flair have a lot in common, I think. I mean, hopefully not the sexual assault. No, hopefully not. Nick Cage doesn't oversell it. Okay, like a little woo is will get you. It's 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 like it's like salt, man. You want to throw a pinch in at the right moment to brighten the flavors of the rest of the act. Uh, And and Cage does it pretty good. Yeah, a little woo will do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't need Ric Flair giving me twenty eight woos on his way to the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need to hear a woo that sounds like a long, drawn-out scream from a Linkin Park song. Just give me a little woo. A little woo will do. But yeah, no. So uh, we got the woo. We got the setup. We got the scar. We got the testicle bomb. God damn. So much in in such a small segment of this episode. So I hope everybody enjoyed uh, the first part of Prisoners of the Ghostland. And I will promise you that it only gets fucking weirder from here. So in the meantime, while you're waiting to see what happens to the prisoners and to uh, figure out if they ever get out of the ghost lands, uh, feel free to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at cagefight underscore pod. I keep hearing about this uh, Patreon where we're definitely, definitely watching The Wrestler very, very soon, coming soon. But where where, where do the people access this, Rich? Patreon.com slash Nick Cage fight. Man, I was on Twitter the other day and that place is just a shithole like... We need to get on what's new on Sky Blue or Blue Sky or something. You got to get fucking invited to that. And I, I I tried. I'm actually on the wait list. Oh, OK. Yeah. Let me know. And when you get invites, send it to me, because I as soon as I heard about it, and I, as soon as I heard it was invite only, I, I defaulted to my Groucho Marx uh, position, which is I don't care to be a member of any club that would have somebody like me as a member. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I, I effectively just gave up on that one. But I will say, uh, as far as Twitter is concerned, the phenomena of the $8 blue check mark is fascinating. If if you if you find people and behaviors interesting, it is just had a very fascinating effect because some viral thing happens, right? And so you pop open the viral tweet and just there are like 150 of the worst opinions you've ever seen or the worst jokes you've ever seen written just one after another. It is amazing. It's, it's, it's instant wasteland. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Fucking Elon turned Twitter into Facebook. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. But just like, it's like, it's like the opposite of cream rising to the top. (laughs) (laughs) The shit has risen to the top. Yeah. Those turds are floating at this point, man. It's, (laughs) nuts <laughs> uh i don't i 
I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting watching, you know, uh, a site like that sort of implode in front of our very eyes, but not like, a, I think it's necessarily an immediate threat of going anywhere. It's just a, a fascinating change of landscape for it. I, I don't know what it's going to do in the long run, but in, in, in the short term, it certainly is a, uh, it's different. It's certainly a thing it that's happening. Different. Yeah. It is a thing that's happening. So yeah, check us out on Twitter. We don't have the blue check mark. If you're paying for the blue check mark, maybe just check us out on Facebook. That might be more that might be more your speed. How or you doing, you, uncles? Or <laughs> or if you have a blue check mark, I've probably already blocked you. It's possible. It's, That's I'm, half I'm, my day at this point. It's just going on Twitter, finding blue check marks and blocking them. There's a it, dude who wrote a script that auto blocks all blue check marks for you. Yeah, they, they that, send that over to you. They yeah, shut no, that no, no, shit I, down. I, you're talking I about like, the block the blue? Yeah, block the blue. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they shut that down. Ah, bummer. Um, I, I like going through it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I like seeing the dog shit opinions, but also I like seeing it when somebody has a blue check mark and they're not dog shit and my face turns into that meme from New Jack City. Or it's got hobbies. Now, I'm sorry, I, I will say, much like I like seeing just like like a the weirdest little dude in a movie, I like seeing some of the weird freaks that pop up on Twitter. Because like you just you find somebody in like a particular niche of Internet psychosis that you weren't aware exists. You're like, oh, shit, this person thinks paula dean is invading their dreams i guess i you know what i mean like you just want to meet that guy you find the weirdest people you know like uh, uh you know the guy that doesn't think that the earth is flat but the moon most certainly is flat oh yeah it's <laughs> shaped like a fucking dinner plate what are you talking about oh there's, th- there's a sponsored with cheese there's a sponsored tweet that i just got that it's called supremacy 1914 what if World War One never happened? The top tweet is, I like that map a lot, because it's just Germany oh, everywhere. Oh, no. Yeah, that's, not yeah that's, a, that's a dog whistle right there. <laughs> I don't even know if it counts as that. Yeah, I don't know if it does. That's I just, think it uh, might be a popcorn. little bit louder than that. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, Twitter's fuck. Follow us on that. You know? We'll, we'll fiddle, and, uh, you know, we can just watch it burn together. It'll be, it'll be a fun time. But yeah, tune in next time for when we wrap up Prisoners of the Ghostland. Uh, And as always, listeners, we appreciate you. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.